0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. I'm really appreciative and grateful to be here once again with all of you. I've been really thankful for these past, I guess, freedom declared, defined, and fallen. These three nights we got to spend together and then here on the fourth night where we're killing daddy long legs on the floor, freaking people out in the front row. Yeah, he dead. He, that, that daddy is dead. That, 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 that is a dead daddy. That is a dead daddy long leg. Yes, he's dead. <laughs> But I am, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you this evening, and I just want to kind of recap what we've been talking about these past few evenings. So on the first night we talked about freedom declared, how God created the heavens and the earth, and you and me, humanity, and said, you are free. And then in the second night, we talked about freedom defined, how God said, yes, you are free, but I'm putting in these boundaries because even though I am not bound by time and space or matter, you are, and these are the spaces where I meet with you. This is where I'm found. I'm found and experienced, and the fullness of my freedom is experienced within these boundaries, within this system I want you to experience the fullness of my love so stay within these bounds and that is where you will be communing with me this is where our relationship will flourish and then yesterday we talked about how freedom was fallen how in a moment where uh, mankind decided to act outside of God's will where they chose the yes of the enemy and instead of choosing the yes of God and in so doing, they separated themselves from God because, in that moment, they chose to be their own God. And so, God gave them up gave them up to their desires and saying, okay, you wanna be in control of your own life, your own destiny, you wanna be your own God, you know what is good for you, so you've turned your back on me. And the moment that that happened, this holy, perfect, righteous God could no longer be in this unbroken, perfect relationship where perfect love existed with this now fallen man. And so he gave the man up. To their own desires and the ramifications of sin that continued to perpetuate over the course of time, even until the time that we find ourselves now, 2,000 years after Jesus came into this world, we find ourselves in a place and in a space where God says... My love continues to be accessible. My love continues to pursue you. My love continues to go after you. My love desires to redeem you. My love is what heals you. My grace is sufficient for you. But I know that there are going to be those of you who continue to reject my love and want to continue to go after their own way. And for those of us who choose to go after our own way, the ramifications of that God promises is death and in our generation and in our culture one thing that we hate to say is that people who don't believe in God who don't believe in Jesus Christ who aren't following him as Lord and Savior we hate to hear the fact that those people are destined for eternity separated from God and that they are destined for death And that's such a hard, hard truth. That's such a hard truth, that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are promised eternal life. This relationship is reconciled, that, that you've been bought back and you've been bought with a price. Yes, you were going along your own way. Yes, you were giving yourselves to sin and yes, you turned your back on me, but I gave you the opportunity through my son Jesus to return to me, and for this relationship to be fully restored. Therefore, in so doing, and through your belief, and because of God's grace, you can have eternal life, and life to the full. You never have to fear death ever again. When I was at the beach with my kids, I know I keep talking about this, but there was a moment where we went to the beach and it was a yes for them. I want you to experience all of this, but remember when I talked about how the current often takes us down the shoreline. When we go into the ocean, we step into the ocean, we're having fun, we're playing in the waves, we're doing the boogie board thing, we're hopping through the waves and having a great time in the surf. Oftentimes that current can take us down the shore where the place that we went in 15 minutes or 20 minutes later, we could be like a mile down by the shore wondering where our umbrella is. Have you ever been in that situation where you found yourself way down the beach? You had to find yourself back? Well, on this day, this was the last day we were at the beach. There was a very peculiar current going on very aggressive waves the waves were pretty violent that day and I could see where the waves were coming together and where the current was splitting that there was a significant undertow anybody know what an undertow is or a riptide So where the undertow is is basically where the waves curl and the current that happens that takes the water out into the ocean continues in this streamline and continues to go out and then the waves come in and then they fold over and then they break and then the current continues to go out and over and over again. The only problem with the undertow or this, this riptide is that that current continues to go out. It continues to go out and then it splits And then it comes back in as waves. But in the middle of that current, it continues to go out. So I saw that and I told my kids, I said, stay away from this area. And also, the waves are significantly more violent today than they were yesterday. So here's what I want you to do I want you to stay waist deep. Today at the ocean, we're gonna stay waist deep. Now, the waves were significant enough, and these are little kids, so, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old. And so I told them, I said, Hey, look, I know that you feel like you can brave anything. I know that you want to go ride the waves and be on top of the big ones. But I need you to trust my direction, and I need you to stay waist deep. Don't go out any further than waist deep. And so after some time, and my kids were following that direction as best they could some friends of ours came and one of their kids who's friends with my son was with them and I told him I said Teddy when you go out into the ocean I want you to make sure that you are waist deep and I told my son I said hey I don't know how good of a swimmer Teddy is but I want to make sure that we're keeping an eye on him so keep an eye on Teddy so I was off the shore sitting in a chair and my eyes were on the kids and I saw that Teddy was getting a little deeper than waist deep. At this point, he was chest high and he was on a boogie board and he went up on top of a wave and then he came down and he drifted back a little bit. And then he went up as a wave came and he drifted back a little bit. And then another wave came and he tried to kick as hard as he could And he drifted back a little bit. And at this point, Teddy started to panic as he's trying to kick and swim with all of his might. But he is going farther and farther and farther away from the shore as he is caught in the riptide. It's pulling him out into the ocean. And then something happens where he panics and he feels like he needs to bail off of his boogie board that is not tied to his body and he jumps in the water and he tries to swim back to shore. But if you know anything about the undertow, if you know anything about the riptide, the more you try to strain against that tide pulling you out, the more you just get exhausted and you continue to drift out into sea. And now you're being sucked out into the ocean and you no longer have any more energy to swim so Teddy was in that space eight-year-old kid and so I got up out of my chair bolted toward the ocean jumped in did the best like you know lifeguard moves that I possibly could you know dolphin kicking and trying to get through those waves swam out to Teddy and by that time he was so exhausted he literally said I cannot swim anymore So I picked him up And I held him up and right behind me while I'm holding him up, I cannot touch the bottom of the ocean. So I'm wading in the water while I'm trying to or treading the water while I'm trying to hold this kid up. And behind me, my wife comes with a boogie board. She puts him on it and I have to swim out of the undertow so that I can get on my feet on some dry land. And I said, babe, you're good. You got the boogie board. Teddy's with you. I got to swim out of this riptide. You swim out. Out with me and then we'll find some solid ground together after we basically saved this kid from drowning all three of us swallowing ocean water which was dreadful I don't know if you've ever swallowed ocean water but it makes you want to hurl it's disgusting we got Teddy safely back to shore and my wife and I looked at each other and the one thing that my wife was able to say was this I love you so much. I love you so much. When we see ourselves in the vast undercurrent, the riptide of our sin, it is that very thing that threatens to pull us from the shore. Of God's love. And God saw his loved ones, his children that he created, drifting out into the abyss of death and sin, completely devoid of experiencing his love. And it, was, it wasn't even as if they really knew that they were out there. For many of them, it wasn't until it was far too late But God saw his kids getting sucked out into this deadly abyss that was overpowering them, this this ocean of sin that was threatening to drown them. And he saw them and he said, I have got to go after my kids. I've got to go after them and I've got to bring them back to the shore of my love. I've got to reel them in to the shore of my love, the shore of my grace, the shore of my forgiveness, the shore of my redemption, the shore of my reconciliation. Making this whole again because without me, they're gone. And so Jesus, the son of God, put on flesh. God himself put flesh on. And he lived a perfect life in perfect fellowship and relationship with his father the way that Adam was supposed to in the very beginning. Nothing missing, nothing broken in this relationship. Every yes that God had for his son, his son said yes to. Father, your yes is my yes. And it was that way the entire time that Jesus walked the earth and spent his earthly ministry uh, laying hands on people and healing them and teaching them how they fit in to the kingdom of God, how they were not gone, how they were not lost, how God loved them so much, and that all they needed to do was follow him and trust in God. And so Jesus... Being perfect, never sinning, never once, the son of God, the spotless lamb of God, sinless, spotless, never had a murderous thought, never had a lie come through his mouth, never stole anything, never. Remained righteous through his whole earthly ministry and at the culmination of his ministry, he takes to a cross, He takes to a cross where the people who hated that he was teaching people that their relationship could be restored, not based on who they were or how righteous they were, but because of what Jesus was willing to do, but because of who God is. It wasn't about how good you were. It's about how good God is. And God was going to make this possible. And we were spending our whole time trying to get back to God, trying to live perfect, trying to keep all these rules, trying to keep the law. And we couldn't do it. So God said, I'm going to handle this. And because he's so good, he came after you. And he said, I'm going to bring them back to the shore of my love. I'm going to bring them back. And so in John 3.16, we read that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believed in him will not perish but inherit eternal life. How do they do that? Well, according to the law of the Bible in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there was times where priests had to take these lambs and, and sacrifice them on behalf of the people because if there was sin, that that meant that there had to be some sort of blood shed in order to cover the sin's Of the people. What Jesus said no more lambs, no more laws, no more legalism, no more self righteousness. I'm gonna be that spotless lamb and I'm gonna take to the cross. And so Jesus Christ placed himself in the hands of his accusers that hated that message, that hated that there was a God whose grace was sufficient enough to save people who were entrenched in sin, who were imperfect who were dirty, messy people who were living outside the will of God. What? You could come for them? They're lost. They're way out there. They have no idea what they're doing. God came for them. They can inherit the kingdom of heaven. They can inherit eternal life. Those people what, what about us, the people who've been keeping the law, the people that keep it buttoned up, the people that, that wear that mask, the people that are pompous and prideful and say, no, nope, when it comes to God, man, i got this thing in order. I've got this thing down pat. There's no way he's going to pass me up because I'm perfect. And Jesus says, I came for the ones who know that they need to be saved. I came for the ones who know that they need to be saved. See, Jesus looked at those priests, the ones who felt like they had it all together, that they could get their own way to God, that because of their good deeds, because of their righteousness, they could get to God, that that they could be with God, that they would be favored in God's sight. See, he looked at them and he said, hey, look, it's not the perfect, it's not the well who need a doctor. It's the unwell that need the doctor. And those of you who know that you're unwell, well, you're going to come to the doctor and you're going to ask for the doctor to instruct you and you're going to follow his directions. You're going to have a relationship with the good doctor. And so I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. I think a lot of times we can believe that because we're good or we're nice or we're respectful, that's gonna give us the pass into eternal life. And Jesus says, that's not what gets you there. It's not because of what you can do or how good you think you are. It's because of what I was willing to do and what I did. The son of God paid the price for you so that you could be with him. Forever. See, that's a price that we could not pay. Could you imagine in the middle of the night, people coming for you to arrest you? And then after this crazy mob takes you and puts you in front of the magistrate and the council of lawyers that were there, that they would make a mockery of you? that they would beat a crown of thorns into your head, that they would strip you of all your clothes and put you in front of everyone like some spectacle. And then at the same time, they're gonna take these whips with pieces of glass shards tied to the end of them and they're gonna take those whips and beat them across your back as the skin begins to rip from your body. And then after that, they're gonna put an 80 pound cross on your back and force you to walk up a mountain so that you can place your own cross in the hole that is going to be set between two thieves and then they're going to pin you to that cross by driving nails through your hands and your feet and the whole time they're going to be kicking you and laughing at you and punching you in the face and gambling for your clothes underneath the cross and they're going to laugh at you as you stand there and they say if he saved others why doesn't he save himself? If you're so great why don't you come down from that cross and in the midst of all that you know what he says, forgive them, they're lost, they don't know what they're doing, they don't know that they're caught in the undertow of that sin. They don't know that they're being drawn out and they've lost their minds. They don't know how far from the shore of God's grace that they truly are. They don't know what they're doing. And it is because of that and it is because I love them that I'm doing this. I'm laying my life down. I'm willing to become a spectacle in front of all of them to fulfill the scripture in what my father sent me to do. Because that was his yes and that's what I'm saying yes to. So right now I'm doing it. I'm calling my father to forgive them and I'm saying it is finished they don't have to work for it anymore all they have to do is believe and that's what he did and that's the gospel that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you he paid the price that you couldn't pay and that you wouldn't ever be willing to pay he stood in that place where God would say this is what I need For someone to be in right standing with me. And Jesus says, I won't sin. I'll be perfect. Your yes will always be my yes. And I will be the sacrifice for them. Once and for all. And he paid it once and for all. Once and for all. And on that cross, more than him just incurring all that physical pain. You know what else he incurred? He incurred the pain of feeling the ramifications, the consequences, the rage of hell against his soul as he took on the world's sins from the beginning of time all the way to the end. That means that while he's on that cross, he knew your name, he saw your face, and he also knew every sin you would ever commit, and he felt that pain as he took it on himself and then said, it's finished. It's on me and it's done. I got it. They did it, I paid for it. It's done. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He faced it like a like a gentle, humble beast of burden. He did not open his mouth to make a defense because he knew. He knew what he was dying for. He was dying for his kids to be in a relationship with him, fully restored once again. And look, you might be sitting there and being like, yo, I am far too gone. It couldn't be for me. I've sinned too much. You might be sitting there saying, you know what? Like, I'm not so sure his grace is sufficient. I'm not so sure that this is even believable. I'm not so sure, but Through the test of time and through the history of what is called the church, and through the people who were willing to be burned at the stake or have their body sawed into or to have their head chopped off or to be stoned to death or to go into uh, people groups that, that aren't even listed on the map and share the gospel, for them, this thing was real. And so if it's real for the people who are willing to face all that, I'm telling you right now, it's real for the person who is sitting in the OTM listening to a sermon It was real for all of his followers, his disciples, the ones who went to places like Asia, And Greece, the Mediterranean, Africa, and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ risking everything because they saw their Savior die and they saw their Savior rise from the dead three days later and they heard the command of their Savior and in that command and in the charge of him saying, go share this news with everyone, he also said, I'm going to be with you always even until the end of the age and that was enough for them. And all of them, save one, met the end, met their dev- demise through their ministry of sharing the gospel. It was real for them. And prayers are still being answered. And miracles still happen, and people's lives continue to change and be transformed, and people are snatched from the jaws of hell as they're brought into the kingdom of heaven because it was real for them. And there's people in this room right now who gave their lives to Jesus after hearing the gospel. It was real for them, it continues to be real for them. And I'm asking right now do you think it could be real for you? So the Holy Spirit in this moment, in this time, the Holy Spirit of the living God right now is wanting to break down and break through that wall that says there's no way this could be real. And he wants your heart because he knows that it's a matter of life and death. And could it be that the creator of the universe doesn't want the wall of your pride to get between you and you experiencing the fullness of his love? What a tragedy. That's tragic. And that his son went to the cross and endured all that and not only raged against the whips and the spit and the punches and the kicks and the nails, not only raged against that, but his soul raged against everything hell had for him in that moment. As he faced it, he crushed it and said, it's done, they can be mine. That's how real it is. So real that the centurion that was at the foot of the cross when all of this was happening, after Jesus took a spear to his side when they, so that they could make sure that he was dead, the centurion who was in charge of making sure that he stayed on that cross, as the rocks broke in two and the earth quaked and the night became so dark that you couldn't even see your hands in front of your face, the centurion says, truly, This must be the son of God. That's how real this is. And I'm telling you, when you make the decision to give your heart to Jesus, to believe that he died on the cross for your sins, to believe that he was the son of God, to make the declaration that he is Lord, And you proclaim that with your lips, that he is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The promise is in Romans 10, 9, you will be saved. Not you might be saved. Not you may be saved. You will be saved. You know what that means? Nothing getting in the way. Your relationship with your creator is fully reconciled, and there is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no condemnation. His grace is sufficient for you to walk and live and breathe and have your being in eternity with him forever. That's the promise, and it will happen. You will be saved. The question is, have you made that decision? That decision to accept the free gift of grace that God has for you through his son, Jesus Christ, you don't have to earn it. That's the awesome thing about it. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you could do to buy it. It's too expensive. Would you be willing to accept the free gift of grace that Jesus Christ has for you where he says it's done You're mine. Follow me. Follow me. What it means to follow Jesus is that if you felt like you've been going one way in your life, turning your back on God, repent is the word that is used. It just means a 180. 180. You are going about your own way, wanting to be your own God, making your own decisions apart from Jesus. God doesn't come into any consideration when you make these decisions. And you're walking into that place, into that space. You're in the riptide. You're walking away. You're getting sucked out. Repent means just turn and reach out and grab his hand and allow him to pull you into the shore of his grace and his love and eternal life. Repentance just means a 180. It means a change of mind, change of direction. Jesus, I'm following you now. I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. And that's the gospel. All those people that I talked about, his followers in church history, and I mentioned this before, they were your age. And it was so real to them. Turning the world upside down Because their whole purpose was, I have the spirit of God in me. I receive the gift of grace and eternal life. And their whole job now was to be agents of heaven on earth right where they are. Man, I couldn't imagine if we had a countless number of teenagers deciding that their job was to bring heaven on earth right where they are. Could you imagine what it would look like for every young person in our world to be full of love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control if we were all just like full of the Holy Spirit? Well, it can happen. It can happen. It will happen one day upon Jesus' return. But until then, that's for you so that you can give people a taste of heaven right where you are. That's the hope. I've got this gift and I'm changed. I'm no longer going after dead things. I'm forever redeemed and received into the kingdom of God where I can truly be free. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you were willing to do on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you that as we were drifting out and wading into the abyss of our sin without hope and unable to get back to shore, you sent your son to pull us back in, the ultimate lifesaver. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. I pray that our hearts would be pressed right now, Lord. Seriously, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be pressed, that we would take full advantage of this moment to allow you to search us and examine us and say, where are you drifting out to? And what's keeping you from accepting my gift? What's keeping you from taking my hand and being drawn back into the shore of my love? Once and for all, you don't have to go back there. I got you. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.